Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. goes well welcome to a series that we are in this is the last week oh i know everybody's so sad this is the last week we're in a series called jesus is and there's a blank there at the end and if you this is your first week of being here during this series let me just explain why we're doing this because when you fill in that blank you have to live a life that is in response to what you put in that blank right if you think jesus is false then you live a life that says jesus is false right you don't live according to the scriptures you don't live according to to god's law you don't you don't live love for everyone the way God intends for us to, you, you don't. But if you fill that in and say Jesus is life or Jesus is real, well, then you are responsible for living a life as such, right? And so th- we have spent the last four weeks or so uh, filling in the blank. We said Jesus is friend of sinners. Jesus is grace. Jesus is life. And then last week we did Jesus is a Rick Astley song. No? Nobody knows who Rick Astley is? Let me fill you in. Uh, it was basically never going to give you up, never going to let you down, never going to run around and desert you. Hold on, I'm not done. Never going to make you cry, never going to say goodbye, never going to tell a lie and hurt you. Now that, friends, is what we call rickrolling, and you just got rickrolled, so you're welcome. I know I've lost you for the rest of the service. You're going to be singing that song the entire time. But last week's message was... Jesus is with you always, right? And that's a Rick Astley song. That's, that's, he'll, he'll be with you always. So uh, this week we are going to jump into the next message in the series. So if you need a Bible today, if you're here and you don't own a Bible and you would like to have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible, not just for the service, but for the rest of your life. If you'd love to have a Bible, put your hand up in the air. We will give you a Bible. Um, the, the, the verses will, of course, be up on the screen, but we'd love to give you one of those. So if you just put your hand up, a service host will get that for you. But today we are going to be in Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. And I love giving the scriptures up front, although I feel like it kind of gives the punchline before we get to it, but it's all right. We'll go with it. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature... By nature, children of wrath, just as the others. But God. How many of you guys are thankful when there's a but God? Amen? The situation seems dark. It seems difficult. How are we ever going to get out of it? But God. Not B-U-T-T God. But God. Steps in. And it says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love. How many of you are thankful for his great love today? His great love with which he loved who? Us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? I know it's a lot. It's seven verses, but it's so rich. We're going to go through it here in a minute. Don't, don't, don't get overwhelmed. One more verse I want to share, share with you, and it's Genesis 4. We're going to go to the first book of the Bible, 
And Genesis 4, 1 through 7, this is just a, a piece of the story of Cain and Abel, okay? Cain and Abel. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin, and and folks, this is the first time sin has ever been used in the Bible. This is the first appearance of the word sin. God says sin is crouching at your door. In other words, like a word picture here, sin lies at your door and it is like a crazed beast, right? That is crouching there at the door of your soul and your life and is lying in wait for you. It is is a vicious thing. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. It's a lot easier said than done, right? So today's message is called Jesus is Alive. And it's because of that life that we get to overcome sin. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been robbed or broken into before? Like ever had your house broken into? Any hands? Any hands? Anybody ever had your car broken into before? How many of you had your house broken into before? Okay, so that's even fewer. That's all right. But the car seems to be the popular thing. Now, I've had my car broken into many times over the years. And, and I say broken into. The, the deal is, is I just don't lock the doors. That's the problem. Uh, but there was one time I was living. I lived off of McNaughton, uh, closer to Whitehall. And I lived there. And uh, my car was under a carport. And I, I forget how I had gotten it, but I'd gotten a big whiteboard, like a big one that you see in schools, right? And uh, we didn't want to put it in the house, so I just kind of hung it in the, under the carport in this, these apartments that we were living in. And I put a dry erase marker there. And, and I think I may have wrote cute notes to my wife, you know, for good morning, honey, love you. You know, it's on her way to work. She would see that. But this particular morning, I get up. And now this was back in the day when the iPod Nano had just come out. This is how long ago this was, okay? It's iPhones weren't out. iPod was still popular. And uh, I had mine. It was blue. It was metallic. It was engraved on the back. I love my iPod. And it was in my car. And I forgot to lock my car. And these guys broke in my car. And then they had the audacity to grab my, my little marker and write on my board, ha ha, you got robbed. And so it's a true story. It's a true story. I know you're laughing at my pain, but it's a true story. And, uh, and you remember that, honey? Remember when that happened? I felt... I felt, like, how do you feel when you've been robbed? You feel violated, right? You feel like, oh my gosh, somebody has been in my car. I don't know what they touched. I don't know what kind of person this is, you know, like, who's been in my car. What else did they do? Did they pick their nose and wipe it underneath my seat? Like, I don't know, but I feel violated, right? And you get in your car and you don't want to be there all of a sudden. You're like, ah, this feels weird. It feels funny. I don't want to find that person, right? Then there's some other feelings that go along with it, right? You start doing one of these things, and, you know, they call the cops, and I'm, I'm like, with gloves on. No lie, this happened. I put on rubber gloves, and I picked up the, the dry erase marker. Here, take this for evidence. They weren't going to, they, they, they were like, that's not happening. They're not going to fingerprint, you know, a minor robbery, you know. Anyway, 
So, but what happens is we start, I, I start, for me personally, and then of course at my new house, you know, my car has been robbed several times, and of course it's been because I don't lock my doors. And really all they're doing is getting the change out of the little, the little center console, right? But I still feel violated, right? And here's what's happening. In the middle of the night, I'm laying in bed, and any noise I hear outside for a while after I've been violated or the intruder has come in, I jump up out of bed, and I'm looking out the window, and I'm standing in the underwear with my flashlight, and I'm shining out the window. Like, I will get them. I will find them, and I will make them pay for the buck thirty-five they stole out of my car. How dare they? It's the principle of the thing. Like, don't steal, man. You know, what am I going to do once I catch them? You know, and I'm like a, far, a, a dog chasing after a car. I don't know what I'm going to do once I catch them, but I'm going to do something. They're not going to get into my car. But, but they've, they've altered my life, right? They're, they've stolen something from me. And, and, and I, I think I didn't like it because I felt powerless. Like, if you needed the money, you could ask me for it and I would give it to you, but that's within my power. But when you take it from me, I feel, I feel powerless. I feel weak. And I don't think any of us enjoy that feeling, do we? We don't like that. But the Bible tells us that sin is an intruder, much like a a, a thief, those guys who broke in my car, a stranger that comes into our life to rob and steal our existence and our experiences on this planet. It was not part of God's original plan that we live in sin. Sin doesn't belong, in other words, but God gave us a free will. He didn't put us on this earth as, as some kind of humanoids that were void of a choice. He gave us a choice, and what did we do? We chose sin. We chose to go against God's purposes. And so sin has come in and has invaded the entire human race. And so sin is an intruder, a thief, a stranger, a robber, and is taking us from us, true life. Now, maybe we got some questions we need to answer because I know that not everybody is on the same page regarding sin. So I'm going to ask a few questions and I'm going to answer them, okay? Here it is. What is sin? Simple definition. Let's go to Romans 3.23. And it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The definition is right there. Because, it, first of all, it says this. Everyone's in on it. There's none of you in this room, including me. I'm not pointing a finger out. I'm going like this. And the biggest one's right here. I'm not exempt from it. We are all born into sin. We're all partners in it. We're all partners in it. Okay? All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory or falling short of God's glorious standard or not meeting the mark set by God. A simple definition would be missing the mark set by God. That's what sin is, right? God has a design for you. God has a purpose for you. He created us. He wired us. And, and he sets the mark. It's not a governing body that sets the mark. It is not culture. It is not society. It is not this church. It is not education. It is not your parents. It is not your feelings. It is not your opinions that set this mark. God has set the mark. And the reason he gets to set the mark is because he made us. And he knows what will ultimately benefit us and give us the maximum experience here on this earth. So when God puts his hand on something and says, thou shalt not, I heard a great preacher one time say that the, the Ten Commandments are there and everybody has a problem with it. They say these, those thou shalt nots or the do nots are there and they're going to control you. They want to keep you from doing something. They want to keep you from the fun. Well, it may seem like that because sin is fun. Let's be honest. That's why we do it, right? Sin is fun. And it feels good to do it and, uh, and to, just, uh, to Hulk smash something sometimes. It just feels so good. It feels so good. That's why we do it. But, but sin... Okay, I got completely off topic. I got outside my notes and Hulk smashed and I've lost it. <laughs> but oh, but, but the, so this preacher said it this way. He said that, that thou shalt not, there should have been a continuation in that. Thou shalt not do this so that you may 
have this. Thou shalt not lie so that you can have trusting, beautiful relationships with people. Right? Liars don't have that. So there's a thou shalt not or don't do that, in other words, so that you can do this. God gave us the don'ts or, or labeled something as sin so that we would have this wonderful life that he intended for us. When we live outside of that, we miss the mark that God has intended for us and we are living less of a life. We are being robbed of the life that God intended for us when we do that. And so some people think that the, that the mark is like a proverbial carrot that is set in front of us that we can never reach, right? Like God's sadistic plan uh, that he's put out there just for kicks and giggles. So that he sits back and watches us clamor about while we try to meet the mark. And that's not it at all. He sets that mark because he's designed us. He knows us. He has a plan. And God is good, amen, and wants us to have the ultimate fulfillment on this planet. So question two, is sin real? And, and maybe we should ask this one first, but... The, the question is, is sin real? You can obviously tell from my perspective that I do believe that sin is real, right? I do believe it is real. And my hope today is that if you don't believe that sin is real, that when I'm done talking, sharing, that you will, you will agree with me that, that sin is something that is real. So let me ask this way, because sin is a biblical word, right? That's where we see that word. We don't see that in our everyday lives. We read that in our Bible. So let me ask this way. Is wrong real? Is bad a thing? Is evil real? Uh, to deny the, the reality of evil, of wrong or bad, seems silly to me. Uh, I, I would question your intelligence if you didn't believe in those things. I mean, just look around. Is there wrong? Is there bad? Is there evil? If you don't believe that there is, you just need to have kids. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not. I'm not trying to be funny. Kids are born bad. I love my kids, but they are bad. They're not born with a sense of goodness in them. They're just not. And, and, and if you have a kid and your kid is like an angel child, you need to have another one because your child is like an anomaly. Once you have that second one, you will find out that you are not the perfect parent, right? And then when you have a third one, you will find out that you are Satan and they are his spawn. You know what I'm saying? There is no possibility that you can get it right three times and have this anomaly. It's just not possible. <laughs> but when it comes to wrong, we rate our wrongs, don't we? Like, watch any TV show, and there's a little box that appears up in the corner of the TV box, right? Or a little black box, and it says M, or it says TV 13, or, uh, you know, there, there's a rating. We go, maybe this is not you, but it's me. You read comic books, and you go to get a comic book, and there's a rating on the comic book. We rate our bad. Don't we? Movies are rated PG, PG thirteen, R, triple X. Like they go really bad. They go from one extreme to the other, don't they? We rate our bad. So if you don't believe that wrong is real, kind of look around society. It's there, right? It's there. And so back to my kids. I have three kids. I have two eleven-year-olds. That's right, two twins, and a ten-year-old. And uh, I would say that I'm an expert on the human condition because I see it lived out every single day of my life. And and I, and I also have come to understand why some animals eat their young. Like, I get it. I get it. And I love my kids, but these guys are born bad, and the Bible makes it clear that we're all born bad. It's not just my kids, right? It is pretty obvious, is it not, that, think about it for a second. Like, how do your kids learn good manners, right? You have to teach it to them, right? They aren't born with manners. They don't know how to handle their knives or know not to pick their nose or 
burp or, or fart at the table. They don't know not to do those things, right? You have to teach them not to do that. You know, you don't have a child that comes out that is so perfect. Like, let me tell you something. I'm going to teach you a little rebellion because you don't know what it's all about, okay? They know rebellion. They get it. They understand, right? There is nobody signing up for a, semina- for a seminar on how to be a jerk. We're all born prodigies, aren't we? We all have the tendency and the nature to be a jerk. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Don't leave me hanging out here on my own. You all know you're jerks. You know it. You know it. (laughs) That's right. Pastor Aaron just called me a jerk. Tweet that. It's great. (laughs) But do you ever just wake up bad? Like, just mad at the world. You are irritated, and you are going to live out that day of just being frustrated. Oh, it feels so good to be mad. It feels so good to Hulk smash you and just get out of my way, right? It just feels so good that when you come walking by, everybody like goes like this. They just kind of step away, and they look like this, and you're like, oh, the power surging right now is amazing. feels good. Get out of my way. And we enjoy our sin, don't we? We enjoy it. feels good to be bad. Feels good. And it's weird, isn't it? This is how we are. This is us, right? You know, and, and that's why the Bible says that we have all sinned, because we do. And there is wrong, there is bad, there is evil, and it's in all of us, every single one of us. I know I'm being ridiculous, but some of you actually look like I just looked. You know, I look like that sometimes. I'm just, just being honest. Here's the third question. Is sin really living? I believe that sin is an intruder, a stranger, a thief coming to rob and steal. So I'm coming from a perspective that sinning is not really living. It's just not. You can be breathing and have a pulse, taking in oxygen, a contributing citizen to society, have a heartbeat, but not be truly alive. You can be. Ephesians 2, 1 through 7, we already read it, but the first part of that says, and he, in you, that's us, he made alive. That very verse implies that we're dead if he made us alive we were dead we are not truly living not he's talking to people here who are living breathing people right they have a pulse they have a heartbeat they're you and me they're sitting here nodding their heads they're looking this is who we're he's talking to you and he's talking to me real people right and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins and so you are existing but not really living when you're living in sin. It tells us that sin is just like an intruder, that invader, that thief that comes in and takes away our true fulfillment and existence, purpose, and meaning in this life. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a profound statement because it confirms what we already know, that sin is fun, right? We all enjoy it. It's why we do it. It's awesome feeling to be angry. It's awesome to be out on the golf course and, you know, slice something and bend a golf, golf club in half. It feels great to do that. And I pray you don't judge me, but, you know, sin is like, let's say like this, sin is like going to an extraordinary restaurant, right? You order something, you get it, and it's like so good, right? Like the whole meal, you're like, mmm. Mm, like the whole time that's all you can say because it's so it's like the fourth of july in your mouth you know what i mean like this is really really great and then the bill comes and you look at the bill and you're like no way there is no way that was worth it that's what sin's like because sin is fun sin is awesome but sin will cost you your life it'll let you be okay let you breathe for a while it'll let you hang out 
But sin will ultimately lead to death. It leads to the death of the life that you have to live. Not just your breath in your body, but the life that God intends for you is exactly where it leads to. It will make you pay. There are wages. Wages. What are wages? Wages are are what we earn after we do work, right? So the wages of sin, if your work is sin, if your life is sin, the wages, what you get paid is death. That's just it. And if sin is real and we all sin, what do we do now? Isn't that the question? What do we do? If you've started to agree with me, I know you're starting to think, great, what now? And it, but it's simple, and it's uncomplicated, right? It's what God told Cain. He said, if you don't do good, um, I don't like your offering. Uh, it isn't pleasing to me. It's unacceptable, Cain. Um, don't be upset, pal. If you do good, I'm pumped for you, right? But if you don't do good, here's sin, and it crouches at your door and wants to pounce on you and rule you. And, oh, and by the way, uh, you should rule over it. It'll be a much better life. I highly recommend that. Okay, Cain? Talk to you later. Bye. It's like God talking to Cain right? The Cain, get it. If you do good, then it's okay. If you don't, well, there's sin. Here's sin waiting on you. And oh, by the way, it'll be better life, much better for you, for all of us, if we rule over sin. Okay? So the problem is that, that all we have to do, or the solution to the problem is, all we have to do is stop sinning. Yay! Just stop sinning, Right? How many of you all have difficulty with that? I do. We have to stop being so mean, stop being so selfish, stop being so envious, jealous, lustful. We have to quit gossiping, quit being annoying. Just everyone, stop sinning, right? Once again, it's one of those things that's easier said than done. Everybody try harder. Try to do well. I don't know about you guys, but I do well sometimes, right? I get this streak of doing well. I get a streak of well. Right? Like I, 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 I get it. I can do it for a while, and I'll admit that, that I can even do well for a longer period of time sometimes. Sometimes. But then I, I, I get on this roll, and I feel good about how I'm doing, and, and I've gone a while without sinning, and I, I'm like, I'm doing well. I get on my well streak. I feel good. I feel happy. i got to skip in my step. I'm doing well. And then someone cuts you off. <laughs> Or, but maybe you're like me, you get on this streak and it's day two and you're on the streak and you try harder, you're doing better and you have a New Year's resolution maybe like in the middle of the year. Like, honey, I'm never going to be this way again. I promise I'll never talk to the kids like that again. And then 48 hours later, you are screaming your head off at the kids and you're like, God, get away from me. Like you are back to that place. You do well for 48 hours, right? It's like a person at Thanksgiving, right? Like you, you eat way too much, but you hold it in. You know what I'm saying? And we can all do this for a little while, but eventually, man, you just got to let that belly hang. You just got to let it out and just like, I hate you and I hate you and I hate you. And if I never see you again, it'll be too soon. Like seriously, I hate you. God bless you. God bless you. You have to just let it out because we, we can't do well for very long. <laughs> and we begin to hate life when we get on that well streak because it becomes harder and harder every day, right? To stay well, to, to do well, to keep on that streak. And we try it. And we all come to church and play nice. Well, let me ask you this. You all look great today. This guy's got a shirt and tie on. That's awesome. I love it. I told him, I said, I, said, I feel bad. You are better dressed than the pastor in this place today. It's amazing. I love you, dude. Don't, don't change. It's good. He's got to go to work. It's fine. But... And I love how we all come to church, and I love that we're all happy, and we're smiling, and we, we greet each other with love, but let me, let, me, let me get in your car on your way to church this morning. How was your drive to church this morning? 
Now, I know you two, you didn't have a long drive this morning, but they just lived down the street. But for the rest of us who had maybe a five or ten minute drive, how was your drive? Right? Were you yelling it? at anybody or were you just oh i can't believe it this parking of the snow again or like you know little billy's in the back of the seat trying to talk to you and you're like shut up billy shut up and all billy wants to do is review his bible verse with you again just one more time shut up <laughs> shut up billy if you're billy out there i'm not talking to you i'm not i love you billy I don't know who you are, but I love you like Jesus does. And I don't know what the big deal is. I think we just need to all stop sinning. That's it. The problem is, God said to Cain, if, there's a big if here, if you do well, then you are accepted. And then, there's, then he ends with a little PS that says, and you should rule over sin. That's a big if, and that's a big should, isn't it? It doesn't leave you much hope when you look at it that way. It's like, uh, if I do well, and I should rule over this. But we can't, can we? The truth is, is that you and I are no match for sin. We are no match for our sinful natures. We try, we try to overcome it. In and of ourselves, we have nothing, nothing to defeat that, that sin nature that is within us, do we? We try, we just can't. And we can't do it. We tell ourselves we're going to be better. We say, this year I'm going to do this. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're probably going to be worse this year than you were last year. That's the truth be told on your own. The truth be told, right? And I know that, that you came to church this morning, and this is kind of a downer, isn't it? Like, Aaron, I thought you said you like to encourage people. Well, just hold on. I'm going to get there, okay? I'm going to get there. I want to, but I want to be real as, as well, right? And reveal a, a very real sin condition that we have. Don't we all have this? It is a downer. It stinks, man. It stinks. But there is something that we, can, that, that, that we have, right? So, so what do we do? What do we do? How do we defeat sin in our lives? What can you and I do? You ready for the answer? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing that we have that we can do. So what am I suggesting? Nothing in ourselves that we can do, but God. Oh, there it is. But God. We love when God butts in. Ephesians 2, 4 says, and it says, but God. And so all of a sudden, God butts in and saves the day, right? But God, who is rich in mercy. This is a description of our God. He's rich. Do you know what that word rich means? It means layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. You, anybody ever watch Scrooge McDuck? Like, you know, DuckTales? Like, you, you know what I'm saying? This guy goes and takes a dive into a vault full of money, right? And there is layer after layer of coins. Now, first of all, I don't know how he did that. If any of you have ever taken a dive into a pile full of coins, that hurts. You do not go in and you do not swim. But Scrooge McDuck did it. I don't know. It's neither here nor there. It's not part of my notes. I'm just thinking. But there's layer after layer of riches there when we talk about rich, right? And God is rich in mercy. It's where we don't get what we deserve. We don't get it. What, what we've done, the, the, the wages that we have earned through our sin, mercy keeps it from us. And God is, is rich in mercy. He's rich in it. Because, why? Thank God there's a because. Because of his great love. 
It's not just his love for us. It's his great love. In John 3.16, it says that for God so loved the world. The love that he has for this world, the love that he has for you and for me is so great. And his mercy, he gives to us because of his great love with which he loved us. There's a target of his love. It is towards you. It's towards me. We are the mark that his love is coming towards. You can't stop it. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. God chose you and said, I love you. And I love this world. It is towards us. And so God's great love is towards us. It is towards this planet. It is zeroing in on us. You can't stop it. You can't do something to obtain it. It is towards you. An unstoppable, relentless love that is headed right at you as its target. And God is sinless. God is perfect. He's the only one with the power and resources. This is God. And because of who he is, he does what he does. God didn't look at us and say, well, there's potential there. I think I'll invest in them. We're not like a mutual fund. God isn't looking for a return on his investment in you. God doesn't do it to get something back. He isn't looking for retribution. He isn't looking for you to pay him back for his love. He does it because he is love. And it's his nature to love. And so he does love us. And his love is toward us no matter what. Period. And this is why God butts in because he has so much mercy and love that is all leveraged for you. Verse 5 in Ephesians says, Even when we were dead in trespasses. You guys know what trespasses is, right? It's like when you're in a place where you don't belong, right? Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There it, is, there it is again. It's written to breathing people, but yet it calls us dead in our trespasses. When we're in a place we don't belong, we are not experiencing life. We are dead. But God makes us alive with Christ. With Christ. That's the solution. That's the antidote to our sin nature. We become alive. The, the lifelessness that we have, the life that is being stolen from us because of sin is restored because of Christ. And, and I want you, when you look at those verses, when you, when you see them, there's three times. And, and when you see something three times, you need to take note of it, just, just so you know when you're reading your Bible. The word together is used three times in there, right? It says that, that God wants us to, he wants to make us alive together, to raise us up together and make us sit together. Clearly, God is trying to get together. He's trying to get together with you. He's trying to get together with me. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the parent trap, folks. It's always a good illustration. Always. But God is trying to get together with you. Clearly, this is not about religion. Clearly, this is not about doing something, some, some act on a Sunday morning, coming to a church and, and getting it out of your system, checking it off your list. God is not looking for a ritual that you do on a daily basis. He's not looking for the things that you've done. He is looking just to get together with you. That's it. Just trying to get together. He wants to get to know you and he wants you to know him. And this love isn't to make you feel better. I mean, it, it, it's... it's <laughs> What's the answer for all this? It's God. Anything else? Nope. 
He's the only antidote, the only answer, the only way that you can be alive in him is not to earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't warrant it. Nothing within yourself. You can't earn it. And now that you hear the the good news about God and what he's done for you through the sacrifice of his son who came, lived, died, and rose again, all we have to do now, the only thing that we have to do is believe. What does believe mean? To accept. We just have to accept what he's done for us and say that's that's enough that that's enough that that is my portion we just get to accept it and the scriptures say that he jesus who knew no sin took my place in death he took my wages the wages of my sin he took him on himself that we might become the righteousness of god in christ and you can't get to that righteousness. You can't get free from the power of sin over your life without Jesus. How do you get it? Just accept it. It's just so simple. I think we've overcomplicated it, haven't we? We've made it about a lot of different things. Well, you have to say this prayer, you have to do this thing, or you have to take that class, or you have to be Aaron's friend on Facebook, or you have to, (laughs) whatever, whatever it is. We've made it about so many things that it is not. It's about just accepting. Accepting Christ and what he's done for us. You belong to him when you accept him. You are right with him when you accept him. You are forgiven in him when you accept him. You know, we think about people that aren't saved and we say that they got to receive him. But the same way that you are saved is the same way that we are supposed to live our lives, isn't it? We are supposed to continue in life and walk out this Christian life just accepting Jesus as the antidote to our daily needs, to our daily life. And we ought to perpetually and continually receive again what Jesus has done. He's enough. He's my acceptance. He's my identity. He's my forgiveness to remind ourselves that Jesus is our righteousness. That we are going to be okay. That God loves me. He approves of me because my life is hidden in Christ. The news is good. This is the gospel that Jesus paid a price for us. That he made the way for us, right? That's the good news. The good news isn't that, that we've sinned or that there's nothing we can, we can do about it. The good news isn't just about God's love for us. The good news is what God's love caused. Was that we get to be free from our sins through Jesus. And Jesus was here, lived a good life, and was a great prophet. And it's, it's more than that. The good news is more than that. The news is that Jesus paid that price, that he became sin so that we might become what he is, accepted, righteous, and perfect before God. You know, one of the last things Jesus says before he dies, he's on the cross. And in Matthew 27, 46, it's about three in the afternoon. And the verse says that Jesus cried with a loud voice. I'm not even going to read what that says. (laughs) But it means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus calling out to the Father. And, And you wonder about, why did he cry with a loud voice? Why was that important to be there? Because it could have just said, Jesus said, right? And we we still would have read it just like that. But it says that he cried with a with a loud voice. There was purpose, there was intent behind why Jesus shouted this. 
because he wanted you to hear. He wanted them to hear then, and he wants us to hear today. Why have you you forsaken me, God? And I believe that if we would have heard an audible answer to that, that if God had, had made a moment and rumbled through the clouds and answered Jesus, that he would have said, for them, for, for them. You have to die for them. I have to turn my back on you for them, my perfect sinless son. I don't know about you, but for those of you that have children, there are two kids that are in harm's way. The first kid I'm going to take care of is my own. That's my nature, though. And then if i got time, I'll take care of the other kid. But not God. He forsook his only son for us. That's the answer, isn't it? That's the answer to our sin, and that's the thing that we have to accept. He did it for all of us, that we might accept him. And Jesus died, but when he rose again, so did our hope, right? When Jesus rose again, he defeated what? Death, hell, and the grave. And because he defeated those things, they get to be defeated in our lives as well. But only when we accept Jesus. Only when we find ourselves in him is the sin, is there a solution to our sin problem. It isn't about rules. It isn't about performance. It's so uncomplicated. It's based on God's great love for us. And all we have to do is receive it. And everything in our life changes, doesn't it? It starts and is sustained. Our Christian walk is sustained in accepting Jesus again and again. There are times that, that at the end of the services, when I'm, when I'm given the salvation, when I, what we call the salvation call, like, hey, you've never made a commitment to Jesus or maybe you've made it before and you want to make it again. There are times when I'm giving that call and I count to three that I want to shoot my hand in the air. You're the pastor of this church. Yes, I am. But I need to accept Jesus as much as you need to accept Jesus. I need him. The Jesus that I'm preaching about on a weekly basis, I need him. Because I'm 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 not perfect. I haven't got the sin thing figured out. I know I'm sitting at the front of the room. So? That doesn't make me special. That doesn't make me me exempt from sin. I need Jesus. I need him. And I need to remember to accept him as my portion every day. To accept him as the sacrifice for my sin every day. But God, I'm, I'm here again. I messed up again. I did, I did that thing I said I wouldn't do again. That's okay. We have to just accept Jesus. That when he died and rose again, that every sin for all time was paid for. The sin that that you commit over and over. We just have to accept Jesus again and accept that forgiveness into our lives. You know, and, and for some of us, we're on that like emotional roller coaster, right? We like do well for a little bit and then we don't you know we're up and we're down and man if you could if you want to get off of that if you want to get off of that emotional roller coaster 
just just start accepting Jesus every day. Accept him every day. When it comes to Jesus, you have a sure foundation, right? And all of a sudden, your ups and your downs, you realize, I'm forgiven. I'm righteous in Christ. God's got this taken care of. He's got it paid for already. You don't have to be emotionally up and down, do you? You can be steady. You can be steady because Christ is a firm foundation. And we of all people, we ought to be hopeful, expectant, and not downtrodden because of Jesus. It's the good news. And that good news is that Jesus is alive. He's alive. And we are made alive in him. Let's pray. You know, there's, I'm, I'm going to pray for you first, but if, if you've never crossed that line of, of salvation or that, that statement of faith, say, you know what? Jesus, I, I want to accept you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that now. I'm going to count to three. If you just raise your hand, I'm going to pray for you. But it's a moment of faith, right? It's the first step. I was watching uh, The Biggest Loser this week. Don't get too excited. But I was watching The Biggest Loser this week, and one of the finalists on it, his name is David Brown, said something that just kind of impacted me. And I think it's appropriate for today. He said in the finale of the show that he's, he's lost so much weight, and he looks great. He went from being like 409 pounds to 222 pounds. But he said, he said, tonight isn't the winning moment. The fact that I'm 222 pounds now is not the winning moment for me. The winning moment was the first step that I took towards change. And folks, today can be your winning moment. For those of you that have never accepted Christ or those that need to accept him again, today's your moment. And tomorrow can be your moment. And the next day, we can have winning moments every day by accepting Christ. So if you say, I've tried and I've failed before, that's okay. Jesus is still enough for you. Just accept his love today and take that step of faith. So if that's you, every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you and you say, Aaron, I admit sin's real and that there's nothing I can do about it and I want to accept the love of Christ. If that's you, I'm going to count to three and I want you to raise your hand. One, today can be your winning moment. Two, the whole path of your life can change with a moment of faith and acceptance. Three, if that's you, shoot your hand up in the air. You can accept Christ today. You can put your hands down all over the room. Thank you. I'm going to pray with you, and I would love for you to pray out loud. Everybody in this room, whether you raised your hand or not, you say, well, I don't really believe what I'm saying. That's okay. You can practice for the day that you do. If you pray with me, Jesus, I accept your love. I accept that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died and rose again for me. to free me from my sin. Show me how to live every day for you. I love you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, 
There's so much that comes along with that that I can't even begin to describe to you. So much beauty, so much grace. If it's your first time, the, the other thing that comes along with it is a free ticket to heaven. Jesus, knowing and loving Jesus and accepting him into your life, puts you in heaven as if you're there right now. It's a beautiful thing, amen? If you have need of anything else, any, any need in your life, there are prayer partners in the back of the room. They wear badges that look just like this. They're moving. They're, they'll be back there. You can get prayer. If you're sick or you have a need or something, a trial that you're going through in your life, grab one of these guys and pray with them, please. We believe in the power of prayer. And we'd be happy to pray with you. I'll give you just a minute to move to do that, and then we'll close our service. Thank you guys for being with us today.